This morning, my message I titled, Can You See? I'm going to be reading from Mark chapter 8, verses 22 through 26 to begin with. Hear the word of the Lord. Then he came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. As I read that, I thought, well, apparently this man hadn't been blind from birth because he knew what men were supposed to look like. How else would he have known? I see men walking that look like trees. So apparently he had had sight at one time and went blind. Then he put his hands on him again and made him look up, and he was restored and saw everyone clearly. Then he sent him away to his house, saying, Neither go into the town, nor tell anyone in the town. Don't tell anyone what just happened. Don't tell anyone that you received your sight. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Gracious Lord, we do thank you and praise you for your word. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the mighty physician. We thank you that you can heal our diseased bodies, yeah. that you can heal blindness, that you can make the lame to walk. Lord, we thank you for that, and we know that you are all-powerful, that you are God. And we just thank you for your presence in our lives. Thank you for your Holy Spirit, and we invite your presence today. Lord, just may your peace permeate this place. May it rest upon each one here. And Lord, I just pray that you would be glorified through the words spoken, and open our ears that we might hear, and our eyes that we might see. For your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Everywhere Jesus went, he was doing amazing things, wasn't he? He was teaching them of the kingdom of God. He was feeding the multitude, healing the sick, delivering those that were demon-possessed, always taking an opportunity to bless people. He wanted to bless people. But as you read this passage of Scripture, you may notice there are some things that are a little bit abnormal, if you will. If you will. It's a little bit strange. I find it a little strange that he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town before he healed him. Why did he do that? Why did he take him by the hand? Of course, he needed lead, but why did he lead him out of the town before he would heal him? You know, there are occasions where they would take a person to Jesus and He would just heal them right there. There's times when they would come for Jesus and take Him to the sick person. If you remember, they came and got Jesus and took Him to Peter's mother-in-law. He healed her. She raised up, got up and began to serve them. They took Jesus to a young girl that they all knew she was dead. They put everybody out except for the disciples and the parents. He touched her and she raised from the dead. So there's times where they took him to the sick person or the, even the dead person. But why? Why did they, he take him by the hand and lead him out of the town? I know. I'm not supposed to just keep asking questions. I'm supposed to answer some, right? <laughs> you are just supposed to keep asking questions, right? You know, Jesus spoke in Matthew of the unbelief in his hometown. And he said, because of their unbelief, I was not able to do many, good, many works there. Because of their unbelief. Could it have been the lack of faith in Bethsaida? Could it have been the lack of faith that he took him out of town to be able to heal him? Well, 
I really don't think that's the answer, so I'll give you what I believe to be the answer. And it's found in Matthew 11, verses 20 through 22. Now remember, he's in Bethsaida. Then he began to rebuke the cities in which most of his mighty works had been done, because they did not repent. He rebuked them because they refused to repent. He had done many mighty signs there, but they still did not repent. So if you think that if God's sending miracles and wonders are going to cause people to repent, you're wrong. Not necessarily. It may, but it's not going to bring revival. He says, Woe to you, Chorazan. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. I believe in Mark 8 that Jesus is making a statement against Bethsaida. He's making a statement against the city because He had previously done many miracles there. They saw firsthand the Son of God heal the lame, open the eyes of the blind, he saw, they saw them, him deliver the demon-possessed. They saw many things. They were visited by the Son of God. God was in their presence, and yet they refused to repent. He warned them that they would be judged more harshly than Tyre and Sidon. That they would be better off in the judgment. Tyre and Sidon would then Bethsaida. You know, I found an illustration. I always like to have illustrations to share, and I found one that it's about stubbornness. Now, they, it, it sounds true, so I hope it is, and I know that it is an old story, and you're going to see why. Many years ago, a newspaper editorial commended most truck drivers for using their CB radios in a very constructive way. However, the story concluded with a warning to those who misuse this means of communication. Children, I know you might not even know what a CB radio is. Truck drivers and many other people in those days, they had this little radio in the car and it had a microphone and you could pick it up and you push the button and you could say, uh, anybody got their ears on out there is what they would say and you know they would communicate. Truck drivers would say, hey, watch down there by mouth post 71, there's a smoky there, meaning there's an officer there. So these kids are clueless, like what are you talking about? You got them on the buses? Okay, so they might know. I know today it's these things. They've got them everywhere, right? You pull them out of your pocket or out of your pocketbook, and that's how you communicate. So, but anyway, back to my story. The writer gave this unforgettable example. In Colorado, he said several people begged a trucker to free the channel so that they could put through an emergency call, but he refused to cooperate. They wanted to direct a doctor to the scene of a serious accident. An automobile had driven into the rear of a flatbed trailer carrying metal tubing. A piece of pipe had gone through the car's windshield and pinned the woman in the wreckage. The pipe went through her. The trucker continued to tie up the channel, frustrating all attempts to obtain help. Finally, he came upon the scene of the accident himself. To his utter dismay, he discovered that the critically injured person was his own wife. And by the time the doctor finally got there, he said, if I'd have got here 10 minutes sooner, I probably could have saved her life. His stubbornness cost his own wife her life. People in Bethsaida were stubborn. They refused to repent. 
The Greek meaning of repent, as it's used in Matthew, means to think differently, Amen. to reconsider. That's what it is, to think differently. We don't think the way we used to. We used to have evil, wicked thoughts. We don't go there anymore. It's to reconsider our ways. I wonder if that truck driver knew it was his wife, if he would have thought differently. Wouldn't have been so stubborn. I'm sure he would have. How many people today, in their own stubbornness, refuse to believe the truth of the Word of God? We're well beyond those CB radio days. As I said, we've got these. We can bring up a Bible on these things and learn of the wonderful ways of God. We can study His Word right here, right before us every day. We have so many resources. We have churches that we can attend without fear of the government forbidding us. We have church every town you go in. If it's got more than a dozen houses, it's probably got a church in it, doesn't it? There's churches everywhere. We have resources right at our fingertips and in our communities. How many in their stubbornness refuse to see? How many in their stubbornness refuse to hear the voice of those that are giving them warning? Refuse to repent and let their great physician heal their souls. They refuse to believe on Him. Jesus would not even heal a man in their city because of their great stubbornness, because of their refusal to repent. My second question, there's a lot of them, there's more than two, surrounding the healing of this blind man. Jesus spit in his eyes and then touched him. And then he said, can you see? Well, didn't he know? Didn't he already know that the man wasn't going to be able to see? Didn't he know that he wasn't going to be healed the first time? If he didn't then, if he didn't see, what was it? Was Jesus having a bad day? Was his power a little lacking that day? Just not quite up to par? I mean, come on, we've all had bad days. Couldn't Jesus have been having one? Was that healing in some way harder than others? That it took two attempts? I mean, we know that He raised the dead. He rose Lazarus out of, out of the group tomb and He was in there for four days. My friends, we always have to dig deeper and find the context as we always have we've been learning so much. We know the answer though. Jesus knew the man wasn't going to see clearly the first time. When Jesus was questioning Peter whether he loved him in John chapter 21, you know it's before Jesus ascended, says, Peter, do you love me? He says, Lord, I love you. He says, tend my sheep. Peter, do you love me? He says, take care of my flock. More and on. Peter was grieved when Jesus asked him the third time. Three times Jesus said, do you love me? And Peter says, you... Finally, he says, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus knew. And Jesus knew that this man wasn't going to be healed the first time. Nor was he having a bad day, as I said. Nor was he having a lack of power. Jesus revealed, revealed to the apostles that all authority on heaven and earth had been given to him. He is equal with God, friends. The answer to that question, though, is 
found in Mark chapter 8, verses 14 through 21. The passage that precedes this. 14 through 21. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread. And they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat. So you know, as I was thinking about this and preparing this, I was thinking, you know, he was always so surrounded by people. He and the disciples, the multitudes, just was always pressing against them, wanting something. It's kind of like when they got into the boat, it was the only time they had to relax a little bit and maybe grab a bite to eat. So here they are, they've gotten into the boat, and all the disciples had was one loaf. They forgot to grab more bread, right? So after they realized they had not taken bread, then he charged them saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves saying, It is because we have no bread. But Jesus being aware of it said to them, Why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? Having eyes to see, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets fulls of fragments did you pick up? They said to him, Twelve. Also, when I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many large baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said, Seven. So he said to them, How is it that you do not understand? Jesus had plenty of power. But there was a purpose behind this two-stage healing. It was, the, it was a teaching moment. It was a teaching moment for the disciples. He knew that they didn't fully yet understand His purpose for coming. They didn't fully yet understand that His kingdom was not to be right then. They didn't fully understand His ministry or His mission. Their vision was clouded. Their, their understanding of Jesus' ministry was like the blind man seeing the, the men walking around looking like trees. That's what their vision of Jesus' ministry was like. They couldn't see what the outcome was to be because they had their own desires that Jesus would deliver them from the Roman rule right then and establish His kingdom then. In Ezekiel 12, verses 1 and 2, it says, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, you dwell in the midst of a rebellious house which has eyes to see but does not see, and ears to hear but does not hear, for they are a rebellious house. When Jesus was warning them about the leaven of the Pharisees and Herod, He was warning them not to allow the hard-heartedness and rebellious attitude of the Pharisees or Herod to contaminate their faith. Leaven. What does leaven symbolize? I didn't hear it. Sin. Right. It is often used to symbolize sin and corruption because a small, a very small portion of fermented dough will cause the whole batch to rise. Correct? It only takes a little bit. We were talking just recently. I have a brother-in-law bakes a lot of bread and he has five-gallon buckets full of dough. And you know, you can take a little tiny batch of leavened bread out of this batch and throw it in this unleavened bread and it's going to agitate and stir up the whole batch. Right. right? One little bit will stir up the whole batch. It will affect the whole batch. I got a hand raised. My girl made bread the other day. Did she put leaven in it? Yeast? So it would raise? Oh, yeah. yeah. 
So it only, if she would take that before she bakes it, one little clump of that and throw it in some more unleavened dough, it's going to affect and agitate it. Then it too will raise. So it only takes a little bit of sin. If we allow a little bit of sin in, guess what's going to happen? Well, that's not so bad. And then that little sin leads to a bigger sin. And that sin leads to an even greater sin. That's what he's talking about here. Don't let the sin of the Pharisees agitate and stir up your lives. Be holy. He says, for I am holy. Repent. Think differently than the Pharisees think. Jesus' should, Jesus' warning should be a heed to all believers. All believers. We do not want to let sin into our lives. If we're struggling with sin, we need to repent and seek His forgiveness. Jesus saw this, the healing of the blind man, as an amazing opportunity to teach His apostles, but it's also an amazing teaching for even us as His people, as believers in Him. They were feeling guilty about forgetting bread. They only had one loaf. If they would have remembered the five loaves and the seven loaves and the fish. You know, this entire dialogue that Jesus is having with the apostles, it's not about bread. It's about their lack of understanding. He asked them if their hearts are still hardened, if their eyes are still not seen. Friends, if they would have truly understood who Jesus was, they would have said, we've got one loaf. Jesus, could you pray over this? So that we may all eat to the full. And you know what? We can even feed the fish. One loaf. They could have just kept taking it out and throwing it over. Man, they'd have had fish coming up everywhere eating. If they would have truly understood, if their eyes were really open to who He was, we've got plenty, right? It could have even been a small loaf. Plenty. Brothers and sisters, with Jesus, a little is enough. Don't ever think you don't have enough. Because He can make that little go as far as it needs to go to supply all of your needs. I don't care what we're talking about. Money, a little can be enough when we have it in faith. Food, it can be enough when we believe and have faith. All things that He has given us can be enough when we have faith and trust in Him with it, right? I believe the passage that followed the passage of the healing of the blind man reveals that the apostles began to see more clearly. In Mark 8, again, 27 through 30. Now Jesus and His disciples went out to the towns of Caesarea Philippi. And on the road He asked His disciples, saying to them, Who do men say that I am? So they answered, John the Baptist. But some say Elijah. Others say, one of the prophets. But he said to them, he said to them directly, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered and said to him, You are the Christ. Then he strictly warned them that they should tell no one about him. I think Peter's response to Jesus' question, Who do you say that I am? reveals that his vision has improved. I believe he was now clearly seeing who Jesus was. You are the Christ. 
Friends, this is the greatest question. The most important question, if you will, that everyone must ask themselves. Who do you believe that Jesus is? Who is Jesus to you? What would you say if Jesus said, Who do you say that I am? I pray that you would say you are the Christ. Christ in the English is in the English is the Greek word Christos, which is a transliteration of the Hebrew word meaning anointed one. So Christ is the anointed one, the one from the Father. Anyone who believes that Jesus is just a prophet is not seen clearly. They do not truly know who He is. Many years ago during the Christmas season in 1879, an unbelieving newspaper man in Boston was walking down the street one day and he saw three little girls standing in front of the store window that was full of toys. One of the girls was blind and as the reporter drew near, he overheard the other two girls trying to describe the contents in the window to their blind friend. He said that it had, he had never thought about it before, but it would be very difficult to explain a thing to someone that had never seen Explain what something looked like, like, oh, a window full of toys, and them tried to explain it. Hard to understand. In fact, he was so impressed that the incident became the basis for a news story, a news story that appeared in the paper several days later. Two weeks later, the same agnostic newspaper man attended an evangelistic meeting conducted by D.L. Moody. And believe it or not, the reporter's main reason for attending was to try to catch Moody in some inconsistency. Imagine his surprise when the evangelist used the newspaper article that this man had written that evening to illustrate a spiritual truth. Mr. Moody said, just as that blind girl could not visualize those toys in the window, so unsaved men can't see Christ in all of His glory. He went on to say that in God's grace, He will open spiritually blinded eyes of anyone who acknowledges his sin, repents of his sin, and receives Jesus Christ in humble faith. It is said that the Holy Spirit did a gracious work that night in that newspaper reporter's life. He saw his great need and discovered for himself the truth of Moody's words. God will open the eyes of anybody that is willing to repent of their sins, think differently, and ask Christ into their hearts, that they can see clearly. This whole story was about teaching, teaching men that they need to repent, that they need to receive Jesus Christ into their hearts. Do you see? Can you see? Who is Jesus to you? Is the question. The truth is, He is the Anointed One, the Son of God. But is, is He that to you? We're not going to get into heaven because my daddy believed in Jesus Christ. Or my grandfather believed in Jesus Christ. Just as Jesus directly pointed that question to the disciples, it is pointed to each and every one of us. Everyone here and everyone listening and everyone we know. It's individual. It's personal. And we must believe that He is more than a prophet that He is the Son of the living God, God in the flesh. He is the Anointed One. Amen?